0: Hey everyone, my name is Cameron Lims Stebro, and welcome back to Inside the Forest, friends of I two four seven Sports. Um, today we have a little bit of a longer episode. Um, we are joined today by Drew Vandermore, who is the founder and CEO of Top Hat Collective, which is Wake Forest's first NIL collective. I know the words, the letters NIL, really give people a lot of pause. We think they're kind of changing the game for the worst, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But in the day and age that we are in now, I think it's important that we need to, A, understand what that means, and B, understand, you know, the companies that are going to be coming out of the woodworks and helping the school that you love so dearly. At the end of the day, schools are going to fall behind if they aren't at least some sort of have some sort of prevalence in the NIL world. And I think companies like Top Hat Collective are going to be the biggest thing to keep an eye on moving forward. So, Drew, welcome.
1: (laughs) Yeah, thanks for having me. This is going to be a ton of fun, and I'm really excited to uh, answer any questions you might have about Top Hat and sort of our operating model, our mission, you know, why we founded this, and how we think we can partner with Wake Forest athletes moving forwards to let them monetize their NIL while on campus and provide as good of experience as they could possibly have.
0: I'm excited to hear that. I mean, first things first, uh, do you want to introduce yourself? What's your background? You know, why Wake Forest? (laughs)
1: Yeah, so, um, you know, Drew Vandemore, I live in Charlotte. Uh, I got my MBA from Wake Forest. So, um, you know, essentially, once I started going to school there, became a big fan. You know, I actually did the Saturday MBA program. And on Saturdays in the fall, they would always have the Wake Forest games on the TV during lunch and uh, we got access to, you know, go to some of the games and do all that kind of stuff, and so uh, it really allowed for me to kind of develop that fandom with Wake Forest, uh, and it's you know lasted all the way through till today, obviously. So, uh, you know, football season ticket holder, basketball season ticket holder, uh, bring my girlfriend up to the games and do all the tailgating, and and we love it. So, hopefully, I can see uh, some of the folks around here either at. Tourist Field this fall, or
0: maybe maybe at Putters for a basketball game next winter as well. I will be at both of those places. <laughs> so, yes, for sure. <laughs> so, I mean, just giving our listeners a little bit of, of an information of what's going on here. So, do you want to explain, you know, what's the kind of baseline product that's going on with, with Top Hat Collective, and how can someone kind of get involved in this?
1: <laughs> yeah, so I think it's important to set the frame, if you will, of collectives as it relates to sort of the legislation that was passed by the NCAA as it relates to name, image, and likeness. So starting with that, uh, you know, back on July 1st, of 2021, the NCAA essentially flipped the switch on allowing athletes to monetize their name, image, and likeness. Uh, and those payments, you know, there's there's a variety of rules in terms of the types of businesses they can partner with, the types of industries they can make money from. But really the biggest piece is that, you know, they must get paid through a corporate entity of some sort. Um, And so what has kind of happened is, you know, there were some early movers in this space, whether it was Tennessee or whether it was Texas A&M or Nebraska. Uh, You've seen some strong collectives there, and it led to some strong results, you know, in recruiting and in, Um, signing different classes allowing their athletes who are on campus to sign some pretty strong endorsement deals but for other schools you're starting to see them sort of model after these collective ideas at those schools and so that brings the question what is a collective right so a collective (laughs) a collective is um, essentially a group of fans or supporters or corporate sponsors of a certain school so obviously for top hat you know, we are a collective for Wake Forest and those fans, supporters and sponsors pool their funds together to help the athletes monetize their name, image and likeness through a variety of activities or events that they then complete, uh, which are you know different, but also somewhat similar based off the individual collective.
0: OK. Mm-hmm. Oh, so we're taking a look at this. Uh, for this collective, for Wake Forest um, fans, businesses, etc., looks like we have five tiers. We have a twenty-five dollar a month tier, a fifty-dollar a month tier, hundred-dollar a month tier, two hundred and fifty-dollar months, and the big boy, ten thousand um, dollars. So just kind of taking taking a step back, how did you kind of come up with the sort of perks that some of these things got? You know, there's there's private events, um, golf tournaments, um, virtual speaker series, you no. Know, what's what should people kind of expect from these perks what, what's the deal there
1: yeah so i think the first thing to sort of say and this relates to that conversation is we want everyone to be able to have access to this who's a wake forest fan so you know in reviewing the uh, sort of existing collective space if you will and comparing ourselves to the other member-based collectives. We wanted to make sure we set a price range that we felt allowed for everyone to be involved if they wanted to. And so that's why our first tier is at $25 a month. And that gets you essentially you know, a standard set of benefits, right? You get to access at a regular point in time our events. So what I mean by that is we have different levels of registration and access for each event, as well as you get... Um, sort of a standard perk of being part of our virtual speaker series and you know a few other items as well and I should point out for all of these tiers that we have right now you know these membership benefits are not static so these change you know constantly as we add new corporate sponsors as we have more athletes as we have additional ideas and thoughts whether it's presented to us through the athletes or through our members or through fans on twitter whatever it might be, you know, we're sort of open to amending, changing, adding new benefits and, and experiences for our members as they provide that feedback. Um, and then to your point, you know, the memberships go all the way up from $25 all the way up to kind of a more significant commitment in the, you know, $50, $100, $250 a month space. And each of those allows for our fans and, and supporters to support at a more increased monetized level for our athletes and provide them with, you know, the chance to earn more funds. And as a result, you know, the, the membership benefits increase as you kind of go up the membership tiers So starting with the fuel goal, like you did at 25, it's kind of a basic set of benefits and then getting, you know, the black membership of $10,000 annually commitment uh, obviously comes with a much a uh, you know stronger set of membership benefits and influence for uh, your donation to the collective.
0: If that all makes sense. Um, I think it's important to know that I mean, that people are going to be priced into different groups and you know some people can can kind of take that next step and some people can't and that's okay. Um right. we, make... we,
1: it's it's so important and I'm sorry to cut you off Kim, but yeah. it's so important you know Wake Forest has such a strong sense of community and when we looked at setting the model for this There's a variety of different ways these collectives have been set up across the board. You know, some of them, like Nebraska's, are really three or four high-end donors that kind of get together and essentially fund, self-fund all of the deals for the athletes that they provide deals to. And there's no real chance for the, call it, you know, regular fan or diehard fan to contribute to that. There's no access for those fans to the players on the team. They don't necessarily have a sense of increased commitment and they don't necessarily get to feel like they're part of, you know, this new era in in collegiate athletics. And so it was really important when I was looking at the business model of kind of how we were going to set this thing up. I wanted to make sure two things. One, I wanted to make sure that we ensured our athletes are guaranteed the vast majority of all funds raised. So 80% of all funds contributed to Top Hat Collective are guaranteed to go to our athletes. And then two, we wanted to make sure that we were able to align with Wake Forest and Wake Forest fans and say, we need the whole community to be involved, not just three or four people, not just two guys in a suit. We need everybody involved from fans, students, all the way up to you know, 40-year grads.
0: That makes complete sense, and I kind of wanted to s- take us step back here. So you said you wanted to align with Wake Forest and Wake Forest fans. Um, a question that's, that's come up is: Are you associated in any sort of way with Wake Forest University? <laughs> okay, I'm sorry, I can't hear you. Oh, you. oh, can you not hear me? I'm sorry. Um, I no, was saying so. No, it's okay. Yeah. So a question that uh, that's come up a lot has been: You know, is this run by the university? Is it something sponsored by the university? Um, so is Top Hat something that is, that is kind of affiliated with Wake Forest University? So to answer that directly, no, we are not directly affiliated with Wake Forest
1: University. Um, the way that NIL legislation has been crafted and written into the NCAA constitution, these schools cannot provide any payment to the players as it relates to their name, image, and likeness. There is a small academic stipend that the schools can provide. Some schools are choosing to provide that and some are not. But there is no uh, way for the schools to be directly involved in like name, image, and likeness payments. And so these collectives are separate entities from the school. And I want to make sure I hammer on this point as well, because it was really important to me when setting this up that. You know, I did not want to take away from monetary contributions that are going to the school today. This is meant to be something that enhances the Wake Forest fan experience and enhances our sense of community between our fans and our athletes. It is not meant to be something that, you know, detracts money away from the Deacon Club or detracts money away from the, the sports specific funds that exist. That's part of the reason that and I'm sure this is one of the questions you have, that's part of the reason that we set ourselves up as a for-profit entity, because we did not want people to confuse donations to Top Hat Collective as being donations to the Deacon Club. These are two separate things you you can choose to participate in that will show support for Wake Forest and Wake Forest Athletics. Donating to the school will allow for the school to continue to build new facilities, fund scholarships, have new jerseys, buy gear, and all the required, uh, you know, things to run an athletic department. And donating to Top Hat Collective will allow for the athletes individually to profit off of their name, image, and likeness and be able to, you know, afford sort of life's regular
0: requirements. Oh, that, that makes sense. And I think that is a question I had when, you know, people were like, well, is this something I can write off my taxes? I know some collectives are, some collectives aren't. So that is good. to Yeah.
1: And I'll just, I'll just speak on that piece too. You know, I went back and forth on this when setting Top Hat up, um, you know, the ability to write off a you know donation, whether it's $25 a month or, you know, a one-time $10 donation or, you know, $10,000 a year. Obviously, it was something that would be a great perk for a lot of people. Um, But what I'm sort of thinking is, you know, there's only a few collectives that have set up with a nonprofit uh, status. And I'm thinking there's going to be a significant legal challenge as it relates to kind of the structure of those entities and whether or not they are legitimately nonprofit entities in how they are operating. And so what I didn't want to do is is I didn't want to set up a nonprofit entity and then all of a sudden be in some sort of trouble, right? About, you know, questions about whether our business model was legitimately a nonprofit business model and whether we legally were operating in sort of the uh, nonprofit space, uh, if you will. So, the, you know, taking all of that kind of into account, um, it made sense for us to set, to set it up the way that we set it up.
0: That yep, totally makes sense. Uh, one, one thing I did want to touch on was, you know, just the receptiveness that you've gotten both from either people, you know, you guys launched on, on Thursday. Um, it's now Sunday, time of recording this episode. Um, what's been the reception been like in terms of people signing up and also from athletes and sponsors? You don't have to name anyone that necessarily isn't, isn't under contract yet, but what's been kind of the reception you've gotten since you guys have started up? Yeah, so I'm not going to name specific players solely because our contracting uh,
1: is taking place on Monday uh, in terms of finalizing our player deals for our initial group of players. But what I will say is for both current and former players, we've had extremely strong representation and receptiveness to what we're doing. So as an example, I've had you know, former Wake Forest basketball and football players reach out to me directly to be involved, whether it's in a planning capacity, whether it's, you know, how can I bring over content or participate in some of the events that you're going to be doing, as well as current players wanting to know how can we get involved? How can we monetize our name, region likeness? You know, what is your guys' operating model? How does it all work? And so far, Every single person that is a current athlete that we've talked to, we've got a meeting set to sign a contract with on either Monday of Tuesday or Tuesday of this week. So we are very excited about the reception that we've received from the current and former athletes at Wake Forest and we think that you know as we start to announce those players beginning hopefully on Monday night but maybe on Tuesday, um, that you'll see you know an even stronger representation once the current athletes are seeing their sort of peers on campus, you know, choose to be part of Top Hat.
0: Oh, no, I'm I'm very excited to hear that. I'm I'm intrigued to see who you all have in the works. Uh, A a question that I have um, is something that's come up a bit and not just with Top Hat Collective, but Collective in general, you know, who decides who gets paid? Um, This is supposed to be a collective that, you know, it's essentially a pool of money. That people are putting in, putting money into, and you get to distribute it out to the eighty percent to players. You know how do you necessarily determine what a? I'm just, I'm not saying you have them money the contract, but what an At Perry gets versus someone on the baseball team versus someone on the women's soccer team versus someone on et cetera. Et cetera. Right. How, how do you delineate who gets paid and how much? Yeah, so it's a great question,
1: and you know, there's a, a couple of different answers to it. Um, one is just the pure supply and demand aspect, right? So obviously, you know, if you're, uh, having an event with one athlete and that athlete is going to be a call it, um, well-known athlete at Wake Forest, you know, that's going to drive the price of, of paying that athlete to come to that event up. Um, what I do like about the way that we've set our business model up is, you know, we are essentially taking in the uh, funds for our members, like I said, and we are presenting them all with the option to attend certain events. And so what that means is, is if you're an athlete, you sort of have the ability to control how much you're making from this. Like I said earlier, you know, we have 80% of the funds guaranteed to go to our athletes that we raise. And so It's not like I can, you know, take in a donation for, call it $25 and choose to pocket 20 of that dollars and then pay somebody $5 to show up to an event. You know, it's contractually written into our obligations. And I don't even touch the money directly that 80% of the funds we raise will go directly to the athletes. And so, you know, if, as an example, we've had some strong representation and interest from the field hockey team, you know, if we're going to set up an event for, our field hockey players to get paid, we want to make sure it's worth their time and their while as well. Now, obviously, you know, if it was a well-known star player, they're probably going to command, you know, more dollars in order to, you know, spend their time to show up to an event. But the sort of, you know, purpose of this, like I said, is if you're a Wake Forest athlete, we want you to be able to monetize. And by doing that, you know, you can sort of control your own destiny in the way that we've set this up. You can show up to one event or you can show up to 10 events. And the more events that you do, the more chances you have to you know, make it as a, a decent chunk of change, if you will.
0: Oh, that makes sense. Um, so from someone that doesn't live in not even North Carolina, I can't even say the one in St. Miller. I don't live in North Carolina. You know, if we have a lot of alumni that don't live around the city like you do, like a Florida, like a UF, like a Miami. So, you know, while these this collective and the ideas are great and you have all these rewards that are, hey, come visit this person at filling fish or visit this person right. outside of a football game or a basketball game, you know, am I also kind of expected to, you know, what's what's in it for me for someone that has to spend two, three hundred bucks on a plane ticket a hotel, et cetera, et cetera, to come down, you know, what's kind of the incentive for me too? And is there something in the works for people that aren't necessarily in the, even the North Carolina area?
1: Yeah, so I, I think it's important to remember, you know, the purpose of the collective, while we wanted to make sure that we provided benefits to our members and we had, you know, a chance for our members to sort of get something for their money, Um, The purpose of the collective at the end of the day is to provide funds to the athletes. And so the first thing that I'll say is relates to, you know, sort of the uh, far flung uh, alumni base, the the folks outside of call it the Winston-Salem area or North Carolina area is, you know, you're still contributing to a very important cause, even if you are not necessarily capitalizing on all of the benefits associated with the package. The other part of this is we are doing virtual events, and I know people are very tired of hearing that, and, you know, virtual events definitely are not the same thing as in-person events, but it's not like you'll have no benefits if you're outside of the area or no chance to connect with any of these athletes. We're actually finding that some of the strongest interest that our athletes have is in our virtual events and being part of our virtual speaker series and doing sort of these Q&A type sessions, you know, doing these kind of uh flashback memory sessions with some of our former athletes. And so you'll still get a chance to connect with all of the athletes that are, you know, part of the collective. It just may right. not be, you know, showing up to every single in-person casual Sunday meet and greet or autograph session that takes place.
0: No, that that definitely that definitely makes sense um, you know, and I think that's definitely it. I wouldn't say a sticking point, but I definitely think that's something people have asked me about. You know, there's a lot of, there's a big Wake Forest contingency here and you see, you know, it's, it's big. And, um, so and, getting,
1: and, maybe, and maybe what I would say too is, is Cam, you know, it, just because our current athletes may not be able to go to Washington DC and participate in an event, you know, that doesn't mean that if there's not a, a former Wake Forest athlete in the area that we can't, you know, coordinate an event in that area or if there's a strong representation of membership in a certain city or location, you know, that doesn't mean that we can't play in something around a Wake Forest road game in the Washington DC area. Right? right. I think it's one of those things where I want to be as flexible as possible to provide our members and people who are willing to, you know, contribute their hard earned money to top hat. I want to make sure that they feel like they're, you know, getting their worth, if you will, for the right. membership. And so while like i said from some of our standard packages you know you may not be able to attend every event we do you know if if especially obviously the higher up your you're contributing in from a membership package or a one time donation type perspective but you know if there's enough representation and enough people that are like hey you know it would make sense to do something in washington dc because xyz lives here and we have x number of members here you know, I think that's something that makes a ton of sense. And and these membership benefits are meant to be, you know, fluid. They're meant to be, we can add something, subtract something. If something's working, great. We can enhance it. If something's not working, great. We can scrap it and, and you know, add a different benefit or look something else up.
0: Yeah. Oh, I, I hear you. I hear you. Uh, so one big thing I, I know people are going to have asked is transparency. You know, that's kind of why I asked, you know, who, how are you ensuring the players are getting um, an equitable amount depending on their appearances. But in terms of the entire thing, you know, what kind of oversight or checks and balances are in place that Top Hat's like using the funds appropriately? Is there is it just kind of you making sure that is that there's sort of uh, an athlete alumni board that's like looking over and being like, hey, let's make sure everything's kind of good. What's kind of the transparency piece there?
1: Yeah. So two big steps there. Um, one, we're in the process of creating our advisory council. Uh, who will meet semi-annually, so twice a year, in order to ensure that all of the benefits that we are providing are, uh, like I said earlier, sort of uh, worthwhile or, you know, they, they make sense. Uh, and two, to make sure that our athletes are being compensated appropriately and that the types of events that we're setting up for them and the types of ways that we're asking them you know, to participate in Top Hat uh, makes sense from their perspective as well. Uh, That that advisory council will have up to 10 members on it, and I'm hoping to include representation from former athletes, current athletes, as well as uh, some membership representation. And so I think that's really important to have. Like I said, it's everything from the operating model to the types of events that we're holding for our members and the types of events that we're requesting for our athletes to participate in. The other piece that I mentioned is we have a partnership with Athlete Licensing Company. Athlete Licensing Company uh, currently works with ten collectives in the space, and if you you know kind of know anything about the total number of collectives that exist, there's just a hair over twenty. So you know almost half of the collectives that are in existence today do some form of relationship with ALC, and ALC actually handles all of the collection of payment as well as the payment to our athletes, the contracting with our athletes, the reporting and uh, compliance to the compliance department at Wake Forest and ensuring all of the contracts that we, in events that we hold are within the uh, legislation that the NCAA passed that Wake Forest has specifically for their athletes at NIL, as well as the North Carolina governor's executive order related to Native region likeness. So it's not necessarily just me in a room saying hey you know i think this person gets this and i think that person gets that you know the the funds come in and they are split according to the contracted agreement like i said the 80 20 split um and the 20 percent that is being taken out of that um uh, you know payment is really being used to cover the operating expenses of, of our events right so reserving spaces that you mentioned fiddling fish earlier we can't necessarily have an event there because that's a brewery and alcohol is one of the uh, prohibited industries and product types for our athletes to support. But, um, you know, whether it's fourth street filling station in downtown, right. Like having that as, you know, sort of a, a space and being able to reserve an area for us or, you know, providing the transportation for the athletes and everything in between. So, um, we're really excited about kind of the operating expenses coming out of that 20% and the athletes getting the guaranteed profit of the 80%. And the partnerships that we have will allow for us to make sure that we're providing the right vehicles for our athletes to profit,
0: as well as, you know, making sure they stay eligible on the field as well. Oh, I think that's good to hear. And they'll definitely ease up some more areas from people. Um, I I, I, I just (laughs) want to expound one more thing on that, because, again, the
1: purpose of founding Top Hat is for our Wake Forest athletes to be able to monetize to their maximum ability their name, image, and likeness. And I think it's important for me to also highlight now, while we are a membership-based collective, that is not going to be the only way that our athletes are going to be able to monetize that name, image, and likeness through us. We've also got the ability to set each of our athletes up to sell um, individualized and personalized gear through the website. So as an example, if we sign up Athlete A, Athlete A can depending on how involved they want to be, set up their own website, create their own logo, sell their own product, sell autographed products, and essentially maximize both, you know, sort of the passive revenue streams, if you will, right? Selling and listing things online, as well as sort of the in-person event-based experiences where that's, you know, showing up to a Sunday meet and greet or, you know, throwing out a first pitch somewhere
0: or, uh doing a virtual speaker series oh that, that makes sense that makes sense um i really only have one more question for you um i don't want to keep you too long and this is uh, but it has been been very informative for you um for this and i thank you for coming on here um my last little just little question is you know where what do you kind of see the end goal with this being for top back club i mean it, i th- i think we can all agree wake forest is a while there, we have a very rabid fan base and a very loving fan base, at the end of the day, the numbers of people aren't the same. You're not, you're not finding the same weight classes as you are at Alabama, as an LSU, as a Florida State. So where do you kind of see this fitting in in terms of, you know, Wake's future in the NIL space?
1: Yeah, so I think it's important to acknowledge exactly what you just acknowledged. Um, we are not Nebraska You know, we're not Texas A&M. We're not Tennessee with an $8 million, you know, player signature coming around for whichever school that was. We at Top Hat have to know our community and our school and keep in mind, like I said earlier, the community that Wake Forest is and will continue to be in, you know, perpetuity moving forwards. There's a reason that we're all extremely proud to be Wake Forest graduates or fans and that sense of community, like you said earlier, you know, we're not a big state school. We're not, uh, you know, the national fan base and we're one of three teams on TV back in 1970. You know, we are a dedicated group of fans who want to support our athletes, especially in what I'm considering to be the most turbulent time in college athletics probably ever. Right. (laughs) What I'm happy to say is, you know, we are the first collective in the state of North Carolina. Uh, Wake Forest can be a leader in this space. There's no reason that this can't be extremely successful for our athletes, providing them the ability, like I said, to monetize their name, image and likeness, make, you know, as much money as they possibly can from this and also provide them options. Right. Right. If you're a, a current athlete that is considering entering you know, the NFL or NBA draft and one of your concerns is the ability to make compensation to provide funds for either your family or yourself or whatever it may be, you know, we want to remove that as a barrier for you to uh, you know, consider whether you're going to go to the draft or not. You want, we want to make sure that our athletes know you know, money's not going to be an issue and community and sense of community. When I step on campus is not going to be an issue. I'm going to have the support of the fan base from the very beginning. And it kind of goes back to, you know, all of the athletes that we're going to get involved. The vast majority of them are not going to be just the star players. You know, it's not, you mentioned A.T. Perry earlier. It's not going to just be the star wide receiver and it's not going to just be the star quarterback or the star point guard. There's going to be members of the baseball team. There's going to be members of the field hockey team. There's going to be members of all the different, you know, great sports that we have across Wake Forest campus that are going to be involved in this. And a lot of those people come from a, a far, far place away. They come from outside the state of North Carolina and for them to be able to know that there's you know, a community that supports them a community that cares about them, and they were going to be able to make some, some money while they're on campus through their name, image, and likeness as well. That's kind of the success that we want to you know, have with Top Hat. And whether that's us signing an $8 million non-player, you know, probably not. But for us to be able to support our athletes and provide that experience to them while they're on campus and remove any barrier for them wanting to be on campus in Winston-Salem,
0: that's the goal of the collective. I love, I, I love, love to hear that answer. I love it. Uh, so Drew, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, can you let the listeners know where to find you, how to find you, questions, comments, concerns, etc.? <laughs> yeah, so the website is tophatcollective.com,
1: all one word. You can follow us on Twitter at tophat underscore call. That's C-O-L-L. We're also on Facebook and Instagram. So give us a follow there as well. We post content across all platforms and you can sign up for the site at tophatcollective.com. And I hope that I've alleviated any questions anybody may have. If not, you're more than welcome to reach out to us via email as well at support at tophatcollective.com.
0: That was great. Uh, Thank you, Drew, so, so much for coming on the podcast. Um, And we'll be right back right after we're from our sponsors. I want to give one more thank you to Drew Vandenmore of Top Hat Collective for that great interview. Um, But before I talk a little bit more about NIL and what it means to Wake Forest, I want to start a new segment here on the podcast, which is the weekly Wake Recap. Uh, I do want to make sure I touch on all Wake Forest sports as much as I possibly can. Like I said in the inaugural podcast, I don't want this to be just a football, just a basketball, just a big two, maybe even big 3 pound podcast. This is supposed to be about Wake Forest and everything about Wake Forest. I want to make sure I'm highlighting the sports that, you know, they might not be revenue sports. That doesn't make them not sports at all. Um, I want to start this out with a major shout out to the Wake Forest dance team. I know someone that doesn't get a lot of spotlight. We kind of just think of the young women that are there at football games, basketball games, all the sporting events, um, kind of just pumping up the crowd alongside the cheerleaders. But the Wake Forest dance team actually qualified this past weekend for the NDA championships in Daytona beach. Um, It was their first time competing in NDA in in over 10 years, I believe. And they actually, they performed extremely well. They placed top 15 They in one of the toughest divisions. And I think they deserve a major shout out for it's a big accomplishment regardless of the fact that they're not, you know, a a basketball, football, et cetera, they still work their tails off and they perform well in wake force athletics in all forms should be, should be celebrated uh, turning the page to wake forest baseball um, it's been a good year for tom walter for the team um, they're inching towards possibly ho- hosting a regional and they backed up some good results this weekend um, this past week by a win over elon 6-4 on wednesday and this weekend sweeping duke at home um, it was today's game was uh, 16-11 was a little a little bit closer than we would like but the fact that they got four wins out of this week is a great, is a absolutely great thing. Um, I don't really understand why they're not ranked. Um, I don't control that. But I think at this point it's a bit absurd that they aren't ranked. Uh, moving on to the men's tennis team. Uh, top 10 team, always a dangerous team when it comes to NCAAs, which are approaching quicker than we think. Had a successful week this week going 3-0, and taking down Clemson on Friday. And then a uh, better than expected Georgia Tech team on, on today, followed by a win over Campbell. Uh, Wig Forest women's team, you know, uh, have been a team that has been close and close and close the past year and, and really haven't been able to put like that marquee win on their schedule. Um, really had an, had an up and down week this week uh, after a tough loss to Duke 3 um, 4 on Sunday. They came back and went to Virginia. Um was really, really touch and go there, but fell to Virginia, bounced back to bounce back on Sunday with the five two win over Virginia Tech. Um, they're gonna be a team that's probably gonna slot in as a two seed to whatever regional they are in. And they're gonna be a team that absolutely no one wants to play. Um, I know they haven't had like that marquee win, but they're still a team that can take a doubles point. They can they have strong singles up and down. They're still playing without Cassie Wooden right now. Um they can be a team that could easily upset a upset a one seed and make their way to the top 16. So I know a thing that people are kind of worried about Well, should they be worried about? Yes. No. Depends. What's the men's basketball team doing right now? You know, we've, we've seen people declare, we've had David Williamson, declare Jake LaRavia, Isaiah Mucius, um, Dallas Walton. So basically everyone who could have declared did. Um, That's not indicative of anything going on with the program, nor is it indicative of if they're going to go or not. Um, The only way you can get feedback, whether you want to play in the NBA or overseas, is by declaring. you are still able to come back. I know David Williamson did um, sign with an agent, but the new rules state that you can sign with an agent as long as they're NCAA certified and still return and maintain your eligibility and just hold any worries yes, the agent David Williamson signed with is incidentally certified. So I don't think that's indicative of whether or not he's coming back or not. We just, I think all the guys are – I know all the guys are trying to just exhaust their options and make the best decision for them. While we all love to have them back, at the end of the day, this is a business in both, in both ways for both us wanting them back and them wanting to come back or go. They need to make the best decision for, them, for themselves. We've also seen Carter Wick go to the portal. Um, I think we all kind of expected that after this year. Uh, I think we all wish him the best and where he goes, and and I'll be waiting for him no matter, no matter where, he, where he lands. Cam, what's going on with the portal? Is any, are his Wake closing on any targets? Are they going to be? Are they having any visits coming in? I'm not really worried about anyone visiting. Um, not really trying to say that as a well, you know, I know some things that you don't. It's no one visited last year before they committed. It's okay if someone doesn't take a visit right now. There's a lot of people. There are over a thousand people in the portal. Just think about how insane that is. There's over a thousand people in the portal. And over the next month and a half, there's going to be more and there are going to be bigger names that continue to flow into the portal as more and more people either get the results they didn't really want from the NBA draft and decide, you know what, I want my eligibility, but I think I need to play at a higher level or at a different place. People are going to enter the portal. You know, people are kind of talking to their families right now. They need to make the decision of they know they want to stay in, in school, but Maybe not there. They'll be in the portal. The guys have a staff. I, I, don't, I don't think Steve Forbes can coach. I know Steve Forbes can coach, and I know he can recruit. And so there's not really a worry about what he, what's going on right now. It's April 10th, timeless recording. He'll be fine. Um, I, I'm not going to say get worried if a couple more weeks go by and no one's committed, but I, I think in the next couple of weeks that we'll start seeing some traction. Uh, But I think people will be very pleased with what's going on there. Turning the page to football. Um, It's been a bit of an eventful week, um, to say the least. Um, On the bad news, uh, Chase Monroe has hit the portal. Um, I think that was something that came as a shock to a lot of Wake Forest fans and even to myself for a bit. Um, I know I'm not really too stunned in portal era as people just have make decisions, the best decisions for them. But... I'm really, really didn't see that one coming, especially with the lack of numbers in the linebackers room, but best of luck to him. Um, we'll see where he, where he ends up. Um, his report on 247sports.com. Defensive tackle Will Smart just decided to take a medical disqualification and become a student coach. Really hate it for Will Smart. Super nice kid out of New Jersey. Really had really flashed towards the end of the COVID-shortened 2020 season when they needed some depth and made the best of it and was really excited to see what he what he could do this, this year and next year. And the injuries just kind of piled up for there and he decided to hang up the cleats. Um, the same thing can be said for redshirt freshman Joshua Sasania um, out of North Carolina. Really another blow to the linebacker room, a, a place that you really didn't need another hit to. Um, but, yeah, another guy that two injuries just kind of piled up and is deciding to call it quits. Um, we really hate it for that, um, for those guys. Um, what it does do is open up two scholarships, and I don't think I know the way we're using them. Um, there, there's going to be a handful of positions that they are going to need to explore the transfer portal for, and I don't think there, there might be one or two guys in right now that they might say, no, it's tires on them. But ultimately, they're going to kind of evaluate things as this next wave of portals come through. Oh, there is going to be another wave of portals, by the way. Um, everyone's finishing up their spring practices, their spring games. The conversations are being had with position coaches across the country. There's going to be a massive wave of people in the transfer portal. So just because someone's not in the portal right now doesn't mean they won't be a target in a day or two or three. They got to get in there before May 1st. And I think, um, and they'll be. Wake will be fine. Um, no, we, I know. I'm 99.9% sure one of the scholarships will be going to a linebacker. Um, I mean, I've heard some great things about Ryan Sminda, about Chad Jones. Uh, Dylan Hazen has put up some good t- some some good pra- plays and practices. Uh, Quincy Bryan has as well. Jalen Hudson's getting there. Um, one thing is really just you can't go into the season though with. Two certain and then a bunch of maybes. And that that's kind of where they're at right now. Um, you know, eventually you got to throw guys like Hazen and Bryant and Hudson into the fire, but you don't want to go into things like that. No, Ryan Ryan Spenda and Chase Jones have elevated their games, from what I've heard, and I think that the drop off is enough between those two guys and what they have next that you just can't feel comfortable going into the season without something else either in between or at that or at that next level. I don't know if you get an older guy, I'd probably lean towards a younger body, especially because you just lost uh, Joshua Sanya. Um, And, you know, you don't really want to sit here and get a grad transfer guy. And then next year you're like, well, we're at Chaz Jones. And then, you know, if Hazen and Brian and Hudson are, if you would need all of them to pan out at that point. And whether if you get a younger guy, you're like, okay, cool. If he's good enough to play a, lot, like a linebacker version of uh, Malik Mustafa, uh, who is progressing nicely from his ACL injury, I've been told. Um, if you get a guy like that in your linebacker room, that can really elevate that, elevate everyone else, you feel a lot better moving forward. So I'm pretty sure they'll use, they'll use one there. Around the rest of the, the team, I could see them going safety. Um, A.J. Williams has had a pretty good pretty good spring camp. Um, it's been a nice little rejuvenation for him. Uh, Chadlin Garns, this is the Chetland Garns hype, hype club here. It's had a really good spring um they'll we'll have Kobe Davis back in the fall um Mustafa's on track well that's we'll see he's on track JJ Roberts um it was in the pit for a bit this this spring but made it out um they're excited to have him back um same with Evan Slocum they they'll, th- they'll I think they'll have him back for this for this fall so well, I think I could see them going in safety um I don't know if I would if I would want that. I'm 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 on the fence there. Um, defensive tackle, I could definitely see them going to the to the portal for if an if an older guy popped up. Nothing against the guys in the room. Uh, Kobe Turner is a man of maximum boys. Deion Deion Burgon Ber- is a really really good defensive tackle. Tyler Holmes is good, but it's often injured. Uh, Kevin Pointer has been good. Bernard Gunns flashed a bit. Um, Justin Williams, I don't know if he's. I, I don't know if the lights coming on yet. And you have Jalen Swindle coming off an um, an injury, and he's not really going to be a factor this year. So I mean, you have one in Kobe, one in Dion, one in pointer. You got three guys you feel great about. A fourth, if you feel good that Ty- Tyler Williams can stay healthy. But then if an if an injury comes down, you you're throwing some guys in there that might not that might not be ready. And I don't know if you want that at, at defensive tackle. That's one of the spots you might not might not need. Might not you don't want it. We've seen what happens. Undermatched offensive or defensive lines play play bigger teams and it's not pretty. So, but you know, the week's gonna go on, and I think we'll get some more clarity on there. We have the spring game coming up on Saturday. I will not be there, unfortunately. Um, I'll be in town on Thursday, but I'm, I'm excited to, to at least watch the spring game. I hope you guys all get out for that weekend. There's supposed to be some nice weather. You so we get the spring game. There's some there's some baseball, there's some tennis going on. It'll be a good, good, good weekend of week sports looking towards nil sort of the the entire antithesis the entire just premise of this of this podcast today so i understand wake forest and nil doesn't seem like something that would go together Um, something that it's something that even earlier in the interview that you know you got to understand that Wake Forest isn't a Clemson. They aren't an LSU. They aren't a Bama. They're not the state school that churns out 30, 40, 50,000 graduates a year. That's not them. That's not who they'll ever be. You know, Wake Forest will never want to be a, t- a school that, that throws out that many people. And so I can get sort of the hesitation around you know if NIO is just some sort of glorified pay-to-play scheme or idea that the ncaa just isn't really reffing and the ncaa just isn't refing it i mean there's a, there are guys in the portal that are seeking out the best deals there are high schoolers that are the top of the top that are like well you know alongside am i going to get sent to the nfl i need to see what the nil situation is and i know that's a scary thought and i know that's something that people are like well this is ruined the game is it any really differently than what's happened in the past? I mean, we kind of I know people like to have the idea that they were really, you know, it's about the team on the front, not the not the player on the back. And they're, I mean, and even still, once guys go to school, they are they are about that school. They are, you know, OBJ is about LSU, Caleb Williams, now he's at USC, is, is going to be about USC. Bryce Young is about Alabama. Sam Hartman is about Wake Forest. But I think it's an asinine thing to sit there and kind of say, oh, no, kids are now going to start looking for the best deal anywhere they go. I mean, we just had two weeks ago Fred Taylor, one of the best college running backs and and a great NFL running back, led Florida to a national championship in 1996. Went on the record and was like, yeah, UGA gave me 50K to come to their school. He kept it and got a better deal at Florida. Like people like the guys at those, the top of the top of the top are the ones that everyone understands. Like we this isn't new. This is not something new. And so I I understand how fearful it can be like, well, it's just gonna figure out who's gonna give deals here and there. The people that care about deals were always the people who are going to care about deals. That's just how it is. That's just how it's going to go. But that's not who Wake's going to be recruiting. Now, not every single person in the top 100, 150 in football, top 10, 15 in basketball are going to solely be about NIL deals. And know, where can I get, can I make this $8 million over four years really quickly? That's not what it's going to be. There's always, there's always guys that end up there. It's not like Stanford recruits at a high level football because they, they've got some NIL deals. People do really care about school and care about the connections that, those, that, comes, that comes with that. It's part of the draw there. But if you're awake, you can't be someone that falls behind. And I think that's why, me personally, I'm, I'm, I'm all for supporting it as long as you play within the boundaries of, of the rules which everyone essentially is right now because there are no rules. But you can't fight with one hand tied behind your back when you're already fighting with one hand tied behind your back. Wake Forest is already fighting with one hand tied behind their back in terms of recruiting just because of who they are as Wake Forest. I know that the, the school we love, we all really enjoyed cheering for it. You know, the underdog stories, we love the A.T. Perry, we love the Kaelin Carsons, we love the – Gavin Holmes, we love the, even Alondis Williams was essentially riding the bench and wasn't even close to looking like an ACC player of the year, at, 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 Well, a, a big 12 player of the year at Oklahoma. Like, we love these, these, under, these underdog stories, and they, they're, they're what make college sports great. I mean, even look at Jake Laravia coming from Indiana State, sure, Larry Bird, great, cool. Like there's a there's a difference between that and jumping up to the ACC. Wake's already at a disadvantage because they have to sort of find these diamonds in the rough, and you know they're already trying to punch punch above their weight classes in football and get back to the, the recruiting relevance that they were in in basketball. When you're going up against UNC and you're going up against Duke, going up against Louisville, these, all these teams that usually do recruit at a top ten, top fifteen level, you're already fine with one hand behind tie behind your back because you know. These guys got to get into school. They need to stay in school. They need to go to class. <laughs> they need to be a Wake Forest athlete in every sense of the word. Being a Wake Forest student athlete. You're already fighting with one hand tied behind your back. Don't make yourself fight with the other hand tied behind your back because you're like, of a some failed integrity argument of this is the integrity. It's not the integrity of the game at stake. No. Kids can pay, Kids have gotten paid for Years, I was in high school during the Robert and QC, Kim D J, recruitment. Went to high school down the street, front the street for me. Kids are getting paid. <laughs> it's okay. It's fine. And sure, they should. Get, they should be getting paid. They work. They work their butts off. They give us a service. We all love them when they're catching touchdowns in overtime, winning winning national championships left and right. Whatever. If they get paid a couple hundred bucks to be the spokesperson for some sour, sour punch straws no one like, or their favorite hometown pizzeria. Wake Forest and Wake Forest fans have got to start leaning into it. I mean, there's a, there's a really clear Avenue to align an NIL sort of idea and, and upbringing and intertwine it with the recruiting pitch. That's not just here's $8 million hat tip to you, Tennessee. There's 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 a pitch there that's very easy to make for Wake Forest. The pitch is very easily, you know, we you're, you're coming to here, you're getting developed. Wake's not with one and dones just about at, at all. In basketball, sure, they're in, in the portal yes, but they're not gonna rec- they're not really gonna recruit, you know, your top four, top five guys that are bolting to the to the NBA the next year. Football, you can't really bolt to the NFL after one year. You're gonna get developed anyways. You're coming in here, you're coming to get developed. And that should be the pitch. You're coming here and you're getting developed as a student. You're getting a world-class education. You're getting developed in your sport. You have some of the best coaches in the country. And that's not just football and basketball. A, that's, in, that's in baseball. That's in men's tennis. That's in women's tennis. That's in field hockey. And all these sports, they are some of the best coaches in the country. So you're getting developed at a very high level with these sports at the school, both on and off the court. And then the last part of that with Fna is you can start building your own brand. Whether you make it as a professional in your sport, if you do, great, you, you A already have a brand. And B, you already know how to market yourself to potential employees and you know what night to do and what dumb things to not do. But if you don't make it into your sport, you now still have the ability to market yourself and say have a platform. You look at a guy like Miles Lester, who was a walk-on away for his basketball. He's not going to play professional basketball anywhere. But he knows how to mark. He's not going to have a hard time finding a job doing anything. It's because he's he has a brand to him. He's, he's A, a hard worker. And B, he has a brand to himself. And now he's like, wow, like, oh, yeah, I know this, this guy. He's the – the, if someone randomly, like, is on tour, like, yeah, yeah. You're one of the walk-ons that was a super nice guy. You were really – um, high engagement guy on the internet. I liked what you said. I like I liked how you presented yourself. Hey, cool. I'm I'm more likely to 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 hire you. And while that seems dumb, that's kind of how the world world works. You think doctors are just locking their their Twitters just just so just for fun? No, it's so employers don't necessarily need to see what's on their their social media. Same thing sort of applies here. If a guy has a good brand, regardless of if they're going to that field or not, they're gonna. It's a way to leverage yourself. You can you can learn how to market yourself, and that's something Wake can do. You're here for three. You're here for four. You're here for five years. You no, know, you can start learning how to market yourself, and as long as it doesn't interfere with your grades and your performance on the field, you should be just fine. But this is something Wake and Wake fans need to really lean into. I'm really excited about this NIL collective, and I know there's still questions about a lot of stuff and You know, the Kings are still getting worked out all over the place. No matter, even if you're at an FSU, even if you're at an UCLA, you're at a Tennessee, there's still a lot of bugs because it's a new space. No one knows the best way to go about stuff. But the worst option you can do is to not try it and not see where it goes. And with that, I'll catch you guys next time.